Welcome, day three for Mission Discovery. I want to jump right in and tell you a story that's going to relate to some of what I shared with you day one. I told you about this moment that happened with my dad when he was a pastor in this church that he pastored and this big split that that actually occurred. The, the church split in half. It was crazy dramatic. And when I was driving for when all of it started breaking out, um, I had an experience that's hard for me to put to words that almost could be embarrassing uh, depending on how you view the world. Maybe it is a lot embarrassing. I don't know. So I'm I'm riding along in the car and up to that point in my life, I had no definition of mission. There was no sense of mission. In fact, how I defined what I was going to do when I grow up, I don't know, but I'm not going to be a pastor because that's the home I grew up in. I saw that. I didn't want that. And while we're driving there, the only way I know to describe this is this this whisper, this stillness. Um, I'm going to freak you out here, but hang with me today. Like a voice was like, what if I want you to preach? Now, that's a key word, preach. And I didn't know what to do except to state back internally because I had friends uh, in the car with me from college. And so that was an internal conversation. I didn't know what to do but to resist that and protest that. And and I didn't really even have a conscious awareness of what was happening or, or who or what I was uh, dialoguing with. But what came out of me internally right back was just this. You'll have to tattoo that on my chest with a lightning bolt. And then nothing else. Now, the events of the evening were dramatic enough that that absorbed the horizon of my experience for some time to come. It wasn't years later. Uh, it, w- it wasn't until years later that I looked back on that moment and I started to evaluate it and try to understand it and and get a sense of what was happening. Why? Well, because that happened when I was like 18 years old, fast forward to age 30, and I'm completely at the bottom. Some of you know the public story about that, the plus seven figures to negative six figures of debt, going from living in a custom-built dream home to a house that we were renting that we got an eviction notice because I couldn't keep up with uh, the bills. I had totally had massive failure and uh, in business pursuits. And I felt like I couldn't take care of my family. And I had this complete desolation of an experience just ripped my guts out as I tried to figure out, okay, if I can't take care of my family, then who am I? And I look back at that moment when I was 30, so I'm 43 now, I was 30. I look back at that moment when I was 18, riding in the car, and I'm like, what was that all about? I mean, I went through the stage in time when I left all my beliefs. I quit my beliefs as I knew them. So was that moment real? Uh, am I crazy? Well, that has another separate conversation to be had, I'm sure, about people that love me. They'll go, yeah, Chris is a little crazy. But there are two kinds of people in the world. And I just want you to think about this for a moment. And maybe people that you know, there are people that are compelled, they're they're convicted, and there are those that aren't. There are people that persevere, they iterate, they evolve. Some of them are a little crazy-eyed, and maybe some of them have love in their eyes also, but you can tell they're living lives of vision, of mission, of focus. And then there are those that stop. They trade off. They give up. Their eyes get dull. Their eyes aren't sharp with vision. Go read your history books. Of all religions, of all traditions, of those with no religion, the people that live 
at the edge with a mission. Use words like calling, uh, mission. Uh, some have used the word daemon, D-A-E-M-O-N. Socrates had a voice that he said told him what not to do. Uh, the Aristotle used the Greek word eudaimonia, and nobody knows how to say it for sure. But this idea of this wholeness that was a deep intuitive sensing. Uh, we've used words like internal guidance system. I've heard people say things like that. Spirit, the quiet voice, a deep knowing, a feeling, a sense. I mean, this is so much more than career mapping and trying to plot next steps. When I'm talking in com companies, I can use words like seeing and vision because those are words used in a business leadership context. But th think about the power of that word, seeing and vision. I mean, these are ancient ideas that you could see a reality in your mind's eye that isn't yet true. Hey, it's what I felt putting all this together. I, I felt that actually writing this talk that I was supposed to be here doing this, a deep intuition, maybe a word like purpose. Now, when you start using these words, when you start talking about these things, there's so much mystery in it and there's so much confusion in it. It does get scary and dangerous. And if you're the kind of person that wonders about, well, like, where does ego end and intuition begin? Hey, I, I get those questions. I, I get those. Now, falsely, there are people that say, well, you have to have a specific worldview to not be deceived by your ego as it comes to your intuition or this deep knowing. Of course, usually the people that say that, they want others to have the worldview that they do. Um, there are people that push back against some of this and go, hey, wait, Chris, all wisdom is based on data and intuition and being rational and information. Or, or, or maybe they would push back and say, I don't want to do anything to do with what you're talking about today because you have to be spiritual or weird or do lots of meditation and eat crickets. Well, the reality is that a healthy relationship with your internal world does not require any specific worldview. I can tell you this from working with people all over the world, from all, also my own study and reading over traditions for thousands of years. And, and also, too, rational thinking, data points, information, all of those are steps of growth to, to leave being childish and blindly reactive. But they aren't the stopping point for the kind of people that learn how to cooperate with the unfolding their mission. Look, breakthroughs don't come through getting more information. Breakthroughs in science don't come through a white paper. The white paper is just recording someone else's breakthrough. Uh, Charles Kuhn, who talked about how scientific breakthroughs work, it's a beautiful process. We live in a box or a worldview, and then there's a breakout, a breakthrough in this in-between moment, and then all the discoveries happen again over and over in this new box, and then we, we just keep on breaking through. So data and information matters, but there's something else there. And for those that would push back and say, well, you've got to be spiritual or weird or do lots of meditation or eat crickets, I can tell you that you can learn to get where I'm going to describe for you today in mere seconds. And you can eat chicken wings. You don't have to eat crickets or whatever. <laughs> and some people, they, they don't push back on the where does the ego end and intuition begin. They're looking at more of the results. Like, okay, Chris, I'll, I'll accept that there's something that happens for people when they tap into a calling or a mission or a sense of discovery about a purpose in the world. But how do you how do you become and stay a person like that? Because it seems like so many aren't. And so they'll often protest this way. They'll say, well, it must be something that has to happen when you're young. Or 
to be like that, there's a darkness there. You're driven and you become dangerous and, and, and you are in some way unsafe to society because you have this deep, compelling vision. Or maybe something dramatic has to happen in your life. You know, you hear people tell these stories or, or Chris, that couldn't be me because I have to have a, you have to have a larger than life personality to be this kind of person. Or a lot of people have to know who you are. Well, none of that's true to be a person who lives, lives with a deep sense of mission. It's for any age. And it can be for people that are driven, but also healthy, whole people. And you don't have to chase crazy circumstances, nor do you have to have them happen to you. You absolutely don't have to have a larger than life personality. Most of what we call personality is just a defense mechanism anyway. You can live a beautiful life with a sense of mission, being there for your family. Like we talked about being iconic to the people that only you can be you to, for the people that you coach, for the people that... Uh, you, you know, that know who you are, no matter how small or big that circle is. So it's not true that all of these protests that we have for what it means to live with this deep sense of mission, that, that it, we set it up and we dramatize it in so many ways. But what is true is this. It comes down to one action. One action I want to encourage you with today. One action when it happens to be in one special moment. And it's your limbo moments. I think about the limbo moments as small and big moments that we're continually having. It's these in-between moments. You're on a date with your partner or your spouse or, or someone that you care for a lot and you're in a relationship with them and a little awkward moment shows up. Okay, so that's a limbo moment. Or it could be you're in a committed marriage and it's the 15-year itch. It could be a leadership limbo moment. You know, a little cringe moment that happens in a meeting. Nobody else noticed it. Maybe nobody else kind of had their breath held for a second, but you noticed the way something was said to someone else and there's a limbo moment there, or it's the big limbo moments where you lose your heart and your current role. It's a parenting limbo moment. It's when you're stepping into your teenager's room when you're tired and you just want to walk by, or it's a parenting bigger limbo moment where you're dealing with a big red flag that you see that you're concerned about. It could be a limbo moment for yourself. There's a little resentment in you that's growing or a big limbo moment. Any of the I don't knows we talked about from day one. <laughs> I don't know who I am. I don't know what I want and I don't know what's going on. I think about it as even being here with you today, sharing this with you, this, this vulnerable talk, uh, something I haven't shared before publicly ever. So what if part of this doesn't go like I thought? What happens in me in the limbo moment? Or maybe while I say something and it comes out and I go, well, I didn't mean what I just said. Let me clean that up. But here's the idea. The unifying thread of the big and small limbo moments, this one action that I'm talking to you about today is learning how to relate to yourself rightly, to have a right relationship with your internal world. You see, Chris, what does that have to do with calling and intuition and, and spirit all of these words you were using when we opened up, well, your mission is an unfolding experience. But what we said yesterday is that you've got to make space for a revelation, a revelation of who you are. And the revelation of who you are is the key that unlocks the unfolding sense of your mission. And it's just difficult to get into that stuff of who we are and know it. So I've found what's helpful for me, looking back at that moment when I was 18, now at 43, 25 years later, 
how I looked back at it at 30. I've found what's helpful for me is to think about my mission, my purpose, my calling, how I work with the unfolding of my intuition, the, the daemon, the spirit, whatever you want to call it. There's a pattern. 